Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Call Talk for Wednesday, July 14th. Our topic today is team meetings, why your call center needs them, and how your employees will benefit. During the call, we invite you to ask questions via email at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com or chat at calltalk.tv if you're logged in, or call in to ask the host your questions and interact with the show. The number to call in is 347-857-3117. Everyone who asks a question via email or chat on the, on the show, we'll receive a free copy of Bruce's book, Benchmarking at its Best, and one person will be chosen at random to win an in-depth reality check benchmarking report valued at $1,500. And now I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Call Talk. I hope you all had a great Independence Day or Canada Day for our friends up in Canada or Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day to our friends in Quebec, and today, happy Bastille Day to uh, tous nos amis français. Uh, And heck, while we're at it, congratulations to Spain for winning the World Cup. I was in Italy uh, four years ago when Italy won the Cup, and it was the biggest celebration I have ever seen. Uh, As you know, the Italians can really communicate when it comes to emotion and uh, talk about happy. If uh, I could have bottled the sheer elation and sold it, I'd be retired in a castle near Torino now. Well, today we're going to talk about a more everyday kind of uh, communication, Uh, Today's topic is one that all managers and supervisors wrestle with, and that is team meetings and why your call center needs them and how your employers will benefit from them. And, uh, Sean, just could you uh, confirm whether we have Barbara on? I know that there was a little bit of a technical. uh, Barbara, you are live. Yep, I am. I'm here. Okay, great, great. Okay, so to discuss this, I'm delighted to welcome uh, Barbara Burke. Barbara has been a customer service consultant working exclusively with call centers for 24 years. She specializes in the people side of customer service and employee engagement, and she's best known as the author of the popular customer service fable. Uh, So it's a book in fable, a fable in book form called The Napkin, the Melon, and the Monkey. And uh, the book tells the story of a customer service rep who works in a call center and, and learns how to deal with uh, angry customers and and all of life's challenges uh, by following advice from uh, the call center's wise woman, sort of the female Yoda (laughs) of the call center. And it's a a quick read packed with a lot of wisdom, uh, and I've got it right here on my desk in front of me. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, Barbara, welcome to the program. I understand you have uh, another story to share with us to kick things off. Well, thanks, Bruce. It's a, it's great to be with you. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd share a story that might get your audience thinking a little bit differently about team meetings. And, you know, one thing we know for sure about call centers is that they are in a constant state of change. And, you know, reps are asked to make minor changes in how they do things, and sometimes there's a major change. And um, often what happens if you have a major change that's, that's rolling out that there's there's some pushback, and mostly because people are fearful and they don't really know what to expect. But we all know that the whole the process would go a lot smoother and be less uh, difficult if we could get everybody's fears out into the open. Now, Jody Wire, who's uh, the manager of We Energy's contact centers in Wisconsin, faced a, a similar challenge. She had to uh, roll out some new software. Uh, and she knew, based on past experiences, that 
typically what would happen, in spite of her best efforts to explain the business reasons for this change, that there'd be pushback and that her supervisors would be spending an inordinate amount of time allaying fears, fears that actually weren't expressed initially. So she thought she'd she'd get ahead of this. And what she decided to do is to conduct her team meetings uh, in a different format. So she pushed the conference table to the side, and she had everyone gather around in a circle and uh, and to focus on what was in the middle. And the middle was a pretend campfire. And it was a, basically a teepee of, of sticks that simulated a, a campfire. And what she told me was that as she was telling the story of why they decided on this software, that every, the dynamics really changed, and it was so different than a traditional way of meeting. When people are in a, uh, a circle, they have the opportunity to look at each other's faces. Uh, they're also shoulder to shoulder, so they're in close proximity, and they don't have that conference room to sit in front of or in back of. So I love the idea, and so I start using it when I do my supervisor training workshops, and uh, it's it's just an amazing an amazing approach to what oftentimes is uh, not the most fun. These team meetings, the team meetings tend to be sometimes kind of boring. I think. And we well, you know, I think. That. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, what you're talking about does sort of shake things up. In other words, uh, in the right uh, situation with the right people, having them walk into a room and sort of look around and say, hey, what's this all about? And what are we going to do? Sort of signals that there's going to be a a new day, a new way of uh, approaching these things. And particularly, and we saw this from some of the responses to our recent survey, particularly in those situations where people do feel like they're in a rut with these meetings or they find that they are invariably negative, uh, this may be a way to shake things up and, and turn them around as long as the rest is well planned. Well, I think, I think it's a great way to start up the discussion. Uh, and, and, Barbara, when we use the term team meeting, uh, what do you mean? To me, a team meeting is uh, a regularly scheduled meeting in which the team members and the supervisor get together for a minimum of an hour. And perhaps even more of it, more than an hour. And then the other types of meetings uh, typically are huddles. I really like those because that's where you can kind of get some of that administrivia out of the way that you have to update people on, and it's a good time to kind of recognize the the uh, productivity from the from the day before. And then there's the larger meeting, which is an all employee meeting, which can happen several times a year, in which management kind of updates people on what's going on and how they are doing vis-a-vis their goals, and even to recognize employees. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. You know, we all know how difficult it is to make time for team meetings, to grab that uh, time away from uh, workforce management, et cetera. And so let me play devil's advocate just for a second. And why should a call center go to the trouble of taking people off the phones so they can get together and have a meeting? I mean, there is a large cost associated with having the schedule around the meetings. And, and besides, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of dread the monthly meetings anyway. So tell us, why bother? I think you're absolutely right. Regular team meetings are really tough to schedule in a call center environment, but they provide enormous benefits for call centers who make them a priority. You know, it was interesting as I was reading the results of the survey, uh, 80% of the respondents managed to hold these meetings once a week, uh, twice a month, or once a month. So surely they must have some value. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, no, uh, I, I can see that's a good response. And by the way, I'd like to tell everyone in our audience that that survey, we have preliminary results, but we have decided to leave it open. And so please, uh, after this, if you haven't taken the uh, survey yet that we sent out to you, please uh, do sign on and, and give us your input. We'd love to hear from you. So, so tell us, uh, Barbara, about the benefits of these, uh, these one-hour team meetings that you're talking about. Well, first, let me, let me just give you my philosophy on this, and that is, you know, if you don't provide a team, a, an opportunity for a team of reps to meet together as a group on a regular basis to talk about what matters to them and to share their ideas and get to know each other, what you really have are some boxes on an org chart. You do not have a team in the truest sense. And I know it's very difficult to find the time, and you know it's kind of like a family. You know, today's families are so busy; it's hard for uh, the working parents to to find time to all have dinner together with their children. And um, it takes a real commitment on the part of the family. But you know, just like in call centers, you know, there is a huge benefit. And studies show, in fact, that eating dinner every night with the whole family is one of the most effective ways for parents to help their children do better in school and in life. So clearly mm-hmm. it is a human need, I think, to, to get together and to share ideas and to have a chance to talk. Yeah, actually, you know, as uh, I, I, thinking of what you're saying, I'm also thinking about one of the ahas in your uh, The Napkin, The Melon, and The Monkey, which is the number 17, our, our stories connect us with each other. And uh, there is something that's very bonding about these meetings in which we're able to share something of ourselves, our thoughts, uh, our concerns, and uh, then have that responded to in in a professional but also a personal way. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. And when you think about the the notion of a meeting uh, and being able to talk with each other, you know, when we sit around and tell stories, we're really emulating our ancient, our ancestors, because when you have the ability to talk to each other, to tell stories, uh, you really do connect. And it's almost a primal connection. And then you think about, too, that, you know, story is the most ancient way of transmitting wisdom. So essentially, when you're, when you're meeting as a team, you're telling each other stories and experiences. And I think it's a very powerful way to, to bond people together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I know that you're you're passionate about providing uh, positive work culture and helping clients improve employee engagement. Um, do team meetings play a crucial role in in creating the employee engagement? I mean, uh, I think we, we've indicated that they do, but you might want to expand on that a bit more. You know, employee engagement is really driven by the relationship that the rep has with their supervisor, and clearly, engagement high levels of employee engagement correlate with high levels of customer satisfaction. Now, the real challenge is that supervisors don't have the training to be able to really build engagement. You know, they tend to be in the firefighting mode. And when I work with clients and their their intention is to work with me on improving their level of employee engagement, I let them know right up front that if they're serious about improving employee engagement, they really need to commit to having regular structured team meetings, that that's just a mm. basic part of the process. Uh, Aha! You used the word structured. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us what you mean by the word structured on these team meetings, because I think that's really key. Yeah, I think it is too. And you know, the feedback on the survey really indicated that. I think we what, had 107 responses, and a lot of them said, you know, geez, you know, have a plan. 
Um, and by structured, I mean, you know, it's one thing to, to carve out enough time for regular team meetings, but it's another thing to make your time together work, worthwhile. And, you know, two of the best ways to kill a meeting is to let it turn into one long gripe session or use the dump truck approach. The dump truck approach, okay. <laughs> what do we mean by the dump truck approach? Well, you know, that's what I call it when the meeting leader backs up the dump truck of information like policy changes and new procedures and, and then just unloads while the attendees just sit there passively and their eyes are glazed over and they were sure wishing they were someplace else. Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, so sometimes what's in the dump truck isn't that good quality fertilizer either. So <laughs> anyway, well... <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Uh, well, I noticed in the survey that uh, when asked uh, what respondents, uh, you know, do in their meetings, 91% indicated they uh, provide updates on policy, process, or procedure changes. Right, and I think it is important to deliver important information in person so that people can ask questions. Uh, but I think this is where the 80-20 rule really applies. I suggest spending 20% of the team meeting time on updates and then the remaining 80% on discussion. Mm -hmm. And when presenting, you know, information, my experience has been that, you know, people receive information in certainly different ways. They have different learning styles. So it's a good idea not only to tell them but to back it up with a handout. And one of, the, one of the mistakes that a lot of leaders make is thinking that if they told the employee once what the, what the important information was, that they got it. So oftentimes I'll hear, well, you know, we already told them that or we sent them an email. But the mm. truth is that you have to, if it's an important message, you have to deliver it multiple times in multiple formats. And I have, mm. kind of a, I have kind of a rule of five. You know, tell them five different times in five different ways if you really want it to get through. <laughs> so it's not just three times in a normal mind. It's five times. Okay, there's a takeaway for everyone. Five <laughs> <times>. <laughs> well, that's one of Barbara Burke's rules. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm, uh, I'm accused of living in a parallel universe. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice. To, I'll, I'll visit you there this weekend. How's that? Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things, too, I think, in terms of communicating with people is the, the way that you do it. And here, uh, one of the things that came through with the survey was that uh, an awful lot of people do not provide training to supervisors for these meetings. So to the question, you know, our center gives supervisors useful training in how to run effective team meetings, uh, only 47% said yes, 53% uh, said no, so the majority actually don't. And here's a, and a really important takeaway is that there's a lot of um, finesse, a lot of, of uh, wisdom, really, that goes into really good communication. And if we don't give our supervisors the tools to do that, then I think that we're, we're shortchanging us and, and, and them as well. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that the most successful supervisors, particularly if they have multi-generational uh, people, will actually fashion messages in their meetings with their people uh, to have the kind of uh, cultural hooks that will pull in and, and uh, reach people of different generations and people of different cultural backgrounds. In other words, they'll really be sensitive not just to the message but to their audience as well. Uh, do you have anything to any thoughts on that, Barbara? I, I would absolutely agree, and I think what you're saying here is that Supervisors really need to take the time to um, 
to prepare for these meetings and think about how they're going to get that message received. Again, you know, just because you're sending the message doesn't mean that it's going to be received. So there is some real challenges to actually kind of tailoring what you want to say and really giving some thought and kind of I like to talk about, you know, keep the end in mind. What what do you need to do to get that result? And uh, preparation is, is really key. And, you know, the other thing I recommend is just have an agenda and really stick to it. Start on time, end on time. I like to send out the agenda in advance so people have a chance to take a look at it and then have input. Um, and then hold those meeting times sacred. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you almost have to, like, throw yourself in front of a bus with workforce management and say, we really need these meetings. So you've got to figure out a way to make it, make it happen. And, you know, in terms of content about what do you do with that 80% left after you spent 20% on, on uh, policies and procedures. And, you know, yep. just a couple things that, that I've learned is to make it topical. And I'm not talking about uh, providing a training session. I'm really talking about uh, referring to a topic to discuss that's relevant to your reps' lives both at work and outside of work. And I think one good example, which is a challenge for everybody, is the idea about workforce balance. Uh, when I do surveys with employees, that's one of their number one issues, a top of mind issue for supervisors and for CSRs, is that they take their work home with them. They take that stress level and how do they achieve that balance. So for instance, what you could do is you could take the topic of work-life balance and present a handout with bullet points and you know I find that you can if you google on something you'll find a whole treasure trove of information and just make it very simple and then spend the rest of your time kind of sharing ideas around the campfire about how people cope and how people find that balance and one thing that I'm just astonished by and I shouldn't be every time I have a meeting with employees is really how uh, what a great resource they are for ideas and information. If we just give them a chance to really share that with each other, they can learn from each other. And again, that's that's one of the best ways you you uh, can build a team is by sharing. Mm-hmm. And then realizing that you're all in the same boat. You all have the same feelings. You all have the same challenges. Right. No, no, I was just thinking that, you know, in listening to you, it's clear that structure doesn't mean a straitjacket. And that, in fact, there's a lot of sharing that goes on. So it doesn't mean that you have an agenda, but the agenda allows for the sharing. That's part and parcel of it. It's not just uh, communicating in one, one direction. Yeah, absolutely. And that dialogue is really what bonds people together. People just want to be heard. You know, mm-hmm. And then the other, the other thing that um, I found, and this was really life-changing for me, was the power of a, of a fable book. And I used Who Moved My Cheese years ago when it came out, and it was transformational. I mean, people would read that and they go, oh, okay, change. I guess the change that you're telling us we need to do is probably going you know, gonna to be one of many, and I just have to accept change. And reading that book and other fable books really got me thinking about writing a book and a fable. And so what we do, and you can do this with any fable book, is just to uh, have everybody read the book. And these have to be really simple fables that even people who don't like to read books will read. And then just talk about the elements within the book. And I find that's really a, that's kind of a no-brainer for a supervisor. So if you want a really easy way to have a powerful discussion, that's one of the best ways, I think, that you can do it. 
Well, I, I think that's right, and it also uh, feeds into one other thing that came from the uh, survey, and that is that humor is an important part of these uh, <laughs> meetings as well. Don't leave that out. Uh, there's an important takeaway, too. Put some humor into it and uh, make sure that people are engaged in that humor uh, because oh, again and again in, in the survey results, we see that uh, people noted that this is, in fact, one of the things that makes the, uh, the, the, uh, the meeting something people look forward to instead of uh, dreading. Well, you know, with that, we should uh, get over to some questions because uh, one of our big messages here, Barbara, is that we want to listen and have participation and engagement. So <laughs> let's uh, follow our own victim here. And, Sean, you have some, uh, some questions for us? I do. Uh, we get questions via email and chat. And I just want to remind the audience that you can call in and ask your questions to the host as well uh, to the number on the website. Um, this question came in via email from Bonnie. Um, is email the best form of mass communication for updates? I use email and team meetings uh, send back emails, but sometimes I feel they are uh, just deleting them. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll take that question because I've got a, emails are a continual curse, I think. And reps get constantly, they get lots and lots of emails, and it's hard for them to discern which ones they should pay attention to. Uh, but what I have found works really well is to create an intranet site where you have uh, pertinent information. And what you can do is you can just... You can just uh, message them or uh, uh, send them a quick email with a link to the intranet site. So if you've got something important, you can put that up there, and then that sends a signal that that information needs to be handled differently. And then you can also have dialogue uh, on it as well so and ask questions back and forth. So I think that's a great tool if you've got the capability of doing a uh, kind of an interactive intranet site. I think that that's, works really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Sean, do we have another one? Uh, we do. This uh, came uh, via chat um, on the Call Talk website. Um, Paul asks, what do you do if you're having a team meeting and you get interrupted due to call volume? Mm. Yeah, this is a big problem. Barbara, what's your thoughts on that? Boy, um, well, you know, you do have to take care of business first, and that's really important. And this will happen once in a while where you get where you start getting um, creamed by too many calls, or there's an unexpected spike in calls. And you do have to, you know, you do have to go ahead and you know and respond to that. Uh, it's very frustrating for the person who's leading the meeting, and I've had that happen when I've done a training session. Someone knocks on the door and say, "Oh, everybody's got to get on the phone." So if it happens, if it's an isolated kind of thing, then that's great. But if it happens frequently or too often, then that's a conversation you want to have with your workforce management folks and see if you can't prevent that. Uh, and then you have to reschedule. It's, you know, it's, it's not a great thing. But you do have to take care of the calls. Yeah, I, I think that uh, obviously we look for the easy fixes first. So, for instance, if you have a structural downtime during the course of the week and you know that you have very low uh, call volumes, then that's the time to do it. Um, and because it can be problematic, not just in terms of everybody having to go back to the phone, but what if you have a, uh, a, a huddle or a team meeting or something and, and there's some people who have to finish their calls. And so they're finishing their calls, which means they come into the meeting late, and then they have to have it repeated to them, or else you're kind of uh, treading water waiting for that person to come. It, it does get to be a little bit complex, and we did see in some of the responses 
that there are some managers who've been able to convince their organizations that these meetings are so valuable that they should be uh, on uh, be paid overtime for them and actually have them off hours. And in one case, they're held on a quarterly basis on Saturdays for two hours. So I'm not saying that's going to work for everyone, but I, I can say that the value of these meetings is such that if you can convince your upper management of it and maybe have them listen to this <laughs> to this uh, broadcast, rebroadcast, um, that uh, you know you may want to uh, go to that extreme, if you will, to try to make sure you have some good time together. After all, senior managers have their time together um, and uh, when they, the phones are not ringing. And then the same thing needs to be true for customer-facing uh, call center agents. That's my feeling anyway. Barbara? Yeah, I think that's I think that's uh, that's right. And I think if you make it a priority, that it'll happen. If it's not a priority, then lots of other things will get in the way. So mm-hmm. I think it's okay. just a matter of a commitment on the part of management to make it work. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, Sean, do we have another one? Yes. Uh, this question came from Ellen uh, via chat on Call Talk. Uh, TV. Ellen uh, asks, can you give us an example of an activity that I could use during a team meeting to help mm. develop my group into a more cohesive team? Mm. Mm. Well, I, I can only speak from my personal experience, and, and, and I'll just talk about the napkin and the melon and the monkey again. Um, what we do is we encourage the supervisor to have everybody – there's 22 ahas in the book – and so everybody picks their favorite aha, and that kind of becomes their mantra. So that's an aha that they're working on. And so that's, that provides fodder for lots and lots of discussion. And, you know, you named um, uh, one of the ahas, and there's just a bunch of them that you could, you could have conversations about. Uh, and they are also items and pieces of wisdom that can apply both at uh, work and at home. So... Um, again, an a fable book is just a really easy way to do that. You know, there's some cost involved, obviously, because you need to buy the book. But I think it's really something that people appreciate, and it gives them something to talk about. And on the other thing about fable books that I like is that it gives people kind of a common vocabulary uh, that really unites them. And I learned that when I used Who Moved My Cheese. And it also gives them somebody else to refer to. So, you know, Olivia, the main character, is going through all kinds of changes and experiences similar to the call center people. And so it's easy to refer to Olivia's uh, situation and experiences. So um, any fable book, I think, can provide that for you. So that that would be my experience and my recommendation. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I think those are great, uh, great insights and uh, great possibilities that people can actually apply in their call center. Um, and uh, there, there is another area that we noticed in the, uh, re, the survey results as well, which had to do with remote agents. What do you do? Whoops, I just lost you. Am, am I on? Whoops. Call talk sessions. But it's very important that uh, we keep in mind how do we have those people connected in, how do we make sure that they feel like they are contributing. Um, And and here, as with any of these meetings, uh, getting the input from the remote agent for the team meeting, even putting the team, uh, I'm sorry, the remote agent uh, in the position of presenter for a team meeting is a great way of getting 
them to buy into and to profit from and to contribute to these team meetings, just as it is a good idea to have uh, your agents on a rotating basis or on some appropriate basis actually contribute, uh, you know, on a planned basis, uh, something to the, the, the team meeting. Barbara, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I think one of the greatest tools for home agents and as a communication tool is uh, utilizing Skype or some some kind of video conferencing um, so that people can actually see each other. You know, it's not exactly ideal, uh, but I think it's important to um, to have the ability to kind of see who you're talking to. So I love that, and I love your idea about uh, having each person um, kind of talk about a subject uh, and be assigned that, and so then they are invested in making sure that that um, they have a message that's important for other people, and I think that's a, that's a great idea. It's yeah, not, we, we have one kind not, not always easy, not always easy, and part of it has to do with the culture as well. So, for instance, we got a comment from somebody who is uh, located within a medical center, and uh, they have uh, staff. Uh, they have a staff member, which is to say, like an agent, uh, run uh, the meetings, and the management staff uh, are only doing part of the meetings. So it's part of what they call their shared governance format, and it was expanded from the nursing side of the business, uh, which is kind of interesting and uh, which they find really works for them and, and gets a lot of uh, buy-in from people. So it's, it's something you may want to do is to sort of give leadership roles to people for these meetings, uh, obviously not recklessly, but on a planned basis uh, to, to folks and, and, and get their, uh, their participation and buy-in. Um, okay, well, we're sort of at the bottom of the hour now. Sean, do we have one last question we could fit in here? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, we have a caller. Um, caller uh, that called in and raised their hand, uh, you are uh, open to the mic. Ask the host your question. Um, actually, this is Gloria Gupta. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Oh, great. Um, I'm Gloria Gupta from the American Medical Association, direct service here. And um, I wanted to actually comment on a couple of things. Um, I, I I think that the the idea of weaving some creativity around these programs is very well taken for me. I typically weave our conversations very strictly around our strategic plan or our current strategic tactics that we're focusing on. So for somebody like me, who's rare, pretty tactical, I think weaving a little creativity is, is, is a good idea and, and, and I appreciate that insight. But for those people who are looking for focus, you can never you can never go wrong by having a pretty solid strategic plan and then having your meetings really address where you are against that plan and even drilling it down to those things that the agents are really responsible for. We've had very good success with that, although I'm not sure our agents think they're that much fun. So your <laughs> is very well taken. Um, I also have a comment related to communicating with agents and. Um, not to take over the mic, but I will tell you that I also felt that why can't these agents um, read our emails? What is wrong with these people? They all have baccalaureate or master's degrees, and we're not hiring the right people. So we did an experiment, and for three months I had outside my credenza every email that was sent to an agent uh, put outside my desk. We had three stacks of paperwork that were over 
24 inches tall a piece. So oh, my God. That. And that tells you that they're typically not, for me, that the lesson was it's not about what they can retain, it's what we're giving them. So uh, internet site, I think, is excellent. We have a portal. What we started was a weekly newsletter, and we include content that is really pre-chewed food. It is whatever we get from a business partner, it has to be turned around in a couple of sentences or in an easy paragraph that somebody could actually retain. And then we build our, our department meetings around what's not working around that or what's not being retained. So that's an idea. It really sounds like a lot of work, but at the end of the day, it's really, it's really valuable because then you can really expect agents. If you pre-chew the content yourself, you'll... Uh, you can really then expect the agents to retain it. That, that's great input, uh, Gloria. Wonderful input. And you know, going back to what you're saying about the strategic plan, and uh, that hopefully is uh, somewhat. I mean, it's pretty tied to your mission statement. And I know that there's one uh, call center that I've been in where the mission statement is all over the place. And so everywhere you go, you see the mission statement. And when you're in the conference room having one of these meetings then uh, the team leader can easily look over the shoulder and say, by the way, this relates to our basic mission, which uh, allows people to stay focused. And therefore, all the things that they're talking about have sort of a north star in terms of, uh, of uh, relevance to what's going on in the call center. And I love the story that you just told about the uh, three stacks of 24 <laughs> inches of, of emails. And the idea of pre-chewed food. Uh, let me let me just hand it over to Barbara for her comment on that. You know, as you were just talking, Bruce, it occurred to me that if you want a if you want a north star to tie to, for instance, you know, you've got your strategic plan and you've got your goals and your mission statement. Why not identify one core value that is important, and then have a conversation about that core value, and maybe make it a theme for a month. Uh, the team talks about how it relates to them both at work and in life and how it's expressed every day. Because one of my pet peeves is, is mission statements that sound like canned verbiage. Uh, Dilbert used to have a, have a website called uh, mission, mission Statement Generator, which had all those wacky words that, and you could just you know, put something <laughs> together at random. Um, but I think that we tend to have these core values and they make really nice signs but you know how do you tie that in to real life and how do you live that so i'm mm. thinking and gloria just got me thinking about uh about the fact that that's actually a terrific topic mm. what do you think about that gloria i mean uh, the uh, that that should fit in pretty well with your pre-chewed food concept as well and uh bringing it into the the team meeting what's your thought on that gloria um, kind of processing, actually. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good I idea. I think that um, that connectedness across a mission, connectedness across the information that we're providing, and then carrying that out in all of our communication vehicles, whether it's in a knowledge portal, whether it's in a little newsletter, whether it's at your all-staff meeting or your huddles, I think the, the messaging needs to be consistent. For example, you know, if you're working against um, agent utilization, then, you know, that's the theme. Obviously, that has to get tied back to what your strategy is. 
and it has to be mm -hmm. operational, and it cannot just be words on a wall. But then you can break it down into things that agents can control, and by the way, they're going to succeed because if those things are, are tied to what they can control and truly tied to their performance standards, then you know it's a it's a win win. They they get excited about the things that affect them, and you've got those tied to what your unit goals and your revenue goals are, and mm -hmm. it's one happy little skippity skip down the ocean. <laughs> Memory <laughs> down the yellow road. I mean road. that's what you're striving for, but we all know yeah. that there's a lot that comes in between that. But you know if you begin with the end in mind and have that charted out, and you accomplish 25% of it. You've accomplished mm -hmm. more than you would have if you just went in sort of tabula rasa and just made it up as you went. Yeah, right. yeah and I'd like to just jump in for a second on that one. I think, Gloria, you mentioned something that's that's so critically important, and that is uh, focus on those things that the rep has control over. Right. And I think that that really cooks things down. I think a lot of the communication, you know, uh, reps get they go, and why would I care about that? You know, what's in it mm -hmm. for me? Um, but if you can answer that question, uh, you know, for the reps, well, what's in it for you? You know, how does this impact you? How does this cook down to your day-to-day -day behavior and interactions with customers and with coworkers? I think mm -hmm. that's absolutely key, Gloria. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and even more and more key for the uh, Gen X, Gen Y folks who are continually asking it themselves that question exactly, it seems. so. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do for me today? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, listen, this this has been great. Uh, Gloria, thank you very much for uh, calling in and for being part of our community. We really appreciate it. And can I, uh, thank can I just Can I just jump in for a second? Gloria, you've been sure. awesome, and I'd like to send you a, a copy of my book. Oh, I love your book. Thank you very much. So if you just want to email me, uh, bb at barbaraburke.com, uh, with your uh, information, I'd be happy to put one in the mail to you. And then the other thing, I, you know, as we were talking, I'm thinking, you know, I write a Monday AHA every Monday, and it's about workplace wisdom. And I'm thinking, you know, we have such great research, and I think we've hit on some great points. I'm going to, I think, talk about team meetings and some of the topics that we covered today in that Monday AHA. And so if you're interested in signing up, it's free. Um, you can just go to my website, barbaraburke.com, and um, click on blog. You'll see the latest versions, but then you'll also be able to get one in your mailbox by subscribing. So that was a, mm -hmm. that was a, that was a commercial, sorry. <laughs> but I still want, I, you know, my big thing is I just want to share what I know, and that's, you know, and that's how I do that. So. Oh, heck, you won't regret it if you do it, and uh, so understand. Good. Well, listen, thank you very much, uh, Barbara. Uh, Gloria, thank you for calling in. Thank all of the people who, uh, who also wrote in there with their questions. And, Sean, uh, over to you at this point. I know we've run over, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, we've run over. It's been a great show. I also want to thank uh, our co-host, Barbara Burke, uh, for all her great insights. Thanks to all the participants for their questions. Uh, there are a couple of questions that we did not get to. Uh, we'll get the, to those uh, via email. Uh, our winner today of the In-Depth Reality Check is Ellen. Uh, Ellen, please send an email to calltalk at benchmarkportal.com for your free uh, In-Depth Reality Check. Uh, the topic for our next show is Auxiliary Time, What Should It Be Used For? Uh, that is our one-year anniversary, so we've uh, done a, a year of shows. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we enjoy all the participation um, from our audience. So thank you very much, and um, have a great day.